0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. We're beginning a new six-week study entitled Communicating with Your Family. We're being led by Rick Works from Faithful Fathering Initiative of Texas. We meet on Thursday mornings from 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. We welcome you there at the Fellowship Center at Houston's First Baptist Church. Hope to see you soon and have a great day. you for this morning. Gosh, what a blessing it is to be here, to be able to talk uh, to men and be real, to uh, discuss what, uh, what you have on our heart, that is, to... To relate to you better, Lord, to understand our relationship with you, to grow in that relationship and reflect that relationship in and, and, and our marriage and our family and, and virtually everything that we do, Lord, that we can be God-glorifiers across this day. So we'll bless our time together, open our hearts to what you have to say, and uh, we ask these things in the name of the risen Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, how was your week? All right. Homework wasn't too bad? everybody get my email anybody that did not receive my email if you did not make sure you check uh... my the email address up here before you leave so i can make sure that we're communicating uh, during the week to uh... to verify that uh... do want to uh... touch a little bit uh, reflect a little bit on back uh... what we talked about last week that had to do with some of the tips that i suggested across this week and that was to uh... Make sure that uh, you do a few things, maybe they're different, maybe they're the same as you've done, but I, I found that when I used the first names of my family members it helped a little bit when I was communicating with them instead of just, Hague or, or what have you. Did anybody have that, did you have that, anybody practice that tip across the week, work? Right? Okay. How about the uh, make requests for action face to face, did that help? Anybody? You got Anybody? All right. How about uh, reflecting God's peace in your tone of voice? Did you have an intentionality to, to be a little more aware of what your tone of voice reflected across the week? That helped? Did you get some points? One point? One point, okay. Right. That's good. All right. Remove defensive words and actions from your conversations. Anyone have my, uh, that was one of my issues, is always being on the defensive and trying to make sure my guard was up. Did anybody have that? Break that wall down a little bit? Yeah? Yeah, get a point for it, maybe a half point, (laughs) all right, how about being sensitive to potential insults and maybe the use of sarcasm, okay, all right, busted, anybody, held back, okay, well done, all right, well that's good. I I put my sarcasm in check uh, as I shared last week. How about honoring your wife in front of your kids? Anybody do the dishes last week or honor her, put your arm around you? All right. Okay, good. All right. How about uh, about the big one? Anybody say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? How'd it work? Hey, all right. Thanks for being real. How did it work? Still alive and well. I found that when you say I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I, I found that that humility, the Lord uses that, and I've been broken further by you know, just being humble and saying I'm sorry, I was wrong. I've seen my kids and my wife just show a compassion that had to be God inspired, because I didn't deserve it. And and but the humility in in just saying I'm wrong, I was sorry, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? that that's brought God into the into the conversation to a level that I couldn't have done uh, without that level of humility. So I that's good. I'm glad you glad you practice some of those this week and uh, that's what it's about. Do a little bit each week just to see uh, what the Lord's up to in your life and in your family and and how he can influence your communication across uh, in your home. How about the power of the father? Did did our discussion last week talk you know, we talked about the influence and and just the inherent power that comes with sharing the moniker Father with the Heavenly Father. Did that, did that sensitive, were you more sensitive, sensitive to that across the week? Anybody, did it hit you? Did you kind of have a realization, ooh, I do have, what I say really is taken for you? Know? Any of that hit you across the week? The, uh, that's you know as we begin to embrace that, you know, then we can begin to harness and and understand how we're to use this for good, instead of you know, maybe having a negative impact as we go along. So that's that's the key. And of course, our generational impact. We're looking for something that lasts a thousand. You know, the love of the father goes out a thousand generations, and that's what our goal is to have that that thousand generation impact. Okay, well let's let's look into. Uh, What's happening this week? This week we're we're working on uh, it's on page 25. It's called the the four horsemen of apocalypse. Now that's that's quite a, a, a reference and an analogy here to to reference to the the horsemen of apocalypse. And I'll I'll share that analogy as we get into some scripture. Here. But I wanna, what I really want to share with you is what we're looking at are what have been defined as the four negative patterns that that. All communication, when 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 it spirals downward, they've kind of looked at four major patterns that uh, that they can group these into. Uh, they've been diagnosed they can tell us that these interacting patterns typically descend into a crisis. You know, they're they're when your your communication really starts to spiral down. Uh, if you don't control these negatives, they can erase all the positives that go on. You know, in the oil field, we used to say it took a thousand Attaboys to make up for one O shoot. You know. And, and that's that's really what we're looking at. We want to make sure that, that everything we do in our communication efforts, we we try to keep those negatives from getting any momentum and we want to keep them in check. So let's look at these. I'll look at each of these individually. Our first one is uh, to look at uh, Revelations. It's 6, 1 through 8, are, are where we're talking about the horsemen. So uh, we'll we'll work through this a little bit. But let me read to you 6. Uh, 6, 2, and, and 3, or 2, is says, um, I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. He was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. I don't know about you. but That's what I always thought every argument was. I thought that was a that was a battle, and I was going to conquer, and I was going to. Was, everything was about winning. I want to chalk up that W, you know, because I was going to win this argument. And that when I talk about that conquest, it means that we're going to win at all costs. And what this relates to is really an escalation of a of an argument. You know, you, we can we can have disagreements. But when they start to escalate and get into an argument, then we we see uh, we see us crossing that line into anger, and then pretty soon frustration will indeed percolate into anger, and the communication spirals downward. I like to use this on on page 25. What I call the famous toothpaste story. I don't know if y'all uh, what your situation is with toothpaste in your house. I squeeze it from the bottom. She squeezes it from the middle, and you know we solve that by getting two different tubes of toothpaste, right? But here's an example. This is just typical. It says, you know, Ted says, you think you'd put the cap back on the toothpaste. And his wife says, yeah, like you never forget to put it back. Ted said, as a matter of fact, I always put it back. And she says, oh, I just forgot how compulsive you are. Of course, you're right. I don't even know why I stay with you. You're so negative, as Ted's comeback. Maybe you shouldn't stay. No one's barring the door. Had said, "I'm really not sure why I stay anymore." Now, what in the world is that about? We had a toothpaste, a cap off a toothpaste a minute ago, and now he's walking out the door. What what allowed that to escalate? What happens? You ever been in that situation and you find yourself a door slams and say, "What happened here? What's up with this?" That's that white horse come riding in saying, I'm going to win at all costs, and I'm going to, I'm I'm right, and that's the way it is. Look at the mid midway down on page 26, you see a little bit different story. It says, you think you could put the cap back on the toothpaste, and Wendy says, oh, you're right, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting that, don't I? And Ted comes back and says, yeah, but it's no really no big deal. Isn't that what really should have transpired? You see? So you, you see how that horse was put in check by a, a, a calming down response. So the the escalation didn't wasn't allowed to happen to begin with. But the, when that escalation starts to occur, that's that's the thing we have to be sensitive to, and that's the first negative pattern we're talking about, just called escalation. And we we tie it to this white horse because this white horse is a conqueror. He's got that bow. He's ready to go. He's ready to take on the battle. He's ready to win. And that's what we want to try to uh, understand. You know, that escalation is one negative pattern that uh, really takes us down the wrong road uh, in an argument very quickly. The second horse is the red horse. It says, when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one, its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other to him was given a large sword. Him was given a large sword. This is tied to invalidation. What's invalidation? Well the things stay here, right? This is between us men, so I can share a story that it's a, a what I call our cell phone story. Uh, In our family, for this was the 31st year, I think, we've made the annual trek at Christmas. We never lived in the same town as kinfolk, so we spend Christmas Eve typically at my in-laws. We've lost both my in-laws in years past, but we still go up to southern Kansas uh, for Christmas Eve, and then Christmas morning we get up early and drive up to Kansas City, Missouri for my mother and my family. And uh, we'd make that trek. We'd get up early Christmas morning. It's just our regular routine, and and we we head on out there, try to get to Kansas City around noontime for dinner. And so it's a four-hour shot, so we typically leave a little before 8. And uh, this particular year, my daughter, uh, she's a a musical theater nut and was doing a lot of dance in her sophomore year in, in college, and she was having some hip problems. And it ended up, long story, she had a popping hip, And uh, had to go in for major reconstructive surgery to to form the ball of the femur to fit into the hip and repair some some, uh, labrum damage and what have you. Anyway, it was major surgery that she did the morning after her last final right there in Oklahoma City. One of the three specialists in the country was in Oklahoma City. And he did the surgery, about four hours in surgery. And then uh, my bride was with her. We loaded her in the car. We still made that Christmas Eve at Southern Kansas. And then Christmas morning, loaded her in the car and uh, headed up to Kansas City for Christmas dinner. So here's a college kid, and we're driving up the road. We're about 45 minutes away from uh, uh, Ark City, we're driving up to Kansas City. And uh, I hear, ah, I forgot my phone. What do you mean you forgot your phone? I left my cell phone in at, at, at Arc City. We got to go back. I said you don't need your cell phone. We're having Christmas with family. You don't need to be in contact with your friends. What do you think happened? First of all, what did I just do? I invalidated her her need for her phone. And then what? Ah! You know, she's she's a, she's a theater major anyway. She's an emotional kid. She's coming she's coming off of this surgery and she just goes she just starts bawling. And I said, "You don't need your cell phone. You don't not this Christmas isn't about being in touch with your friends anyway. It's for family and this is all in the spirit of Christmas, right?" And I'm and I'm I'm just I'm saying, you know, and by this time what am I doing? I'm talking through my teeth, right? I'm driving a little bit quicker down the road. She's saying we gotta go back. I gotta have my cell phone. I said we're not turning this car around. You know, we're not doing this. We're gonna to go to Kansas. We're gonna have Christmas with family. You know that's what it is. I get a little tap on my. See, she's in the front seat with me, and my bride and my son are in the back seat, being real quiet. I get a tap on my shoulder, and I said, "Hey, faithful father." not going to pull that card on me. She doesn't need her cell phone. I'm not going to do that. And All I can say, I went about another 10-15 minutes down that road driving a little bit quicker and the Holy Spirit just came on and said, boy you need to be a little more sensitive. You've invalidated her. She has a This is a situation that's emotional for her anyway. Find it in yourself. Turn it around. And I did. We drove an hour back to Ark City. Didn't say a word. I got out of the car, went in, got her phone. Came around to her side, opened her door, handed her phone to her, and I said, honey, I have no idea why this phone is so important to you. But here it is, and we're not going to say another word about it outside this car. Closed the door, got back in, and drove on up to Kansas City. We got there a little bit late. I said, "Well, you know, my bad. We just got a late start out of Ark City. Sorry we're a little bit late, but uh, glad to be here and we had one of the most peaceful Christmases we've had. And as we drove back, we never visited it again. We allowed the Spirit, we allowed the peace just to uh, percolate in that car. Because you see, I was allowing peace to be taken out, wasn't I? when I invalidated my daughter. Now, you guys can call me a big wuss if you want to, to give in. But all I'm saying is this. The Holy Spirit convicted me of invalidation. I was completely insensitive to a young lady's feelings that had been through major surgery, and her connection to her friends was her cell phone. That's not something I understood, nor am I supposed to understand it nor am I always supposed to condone it unconditionally. But in this particular situation, the Lord convicted me that I had invalidated her at a point that I didn't need to. And it wasn't doing us any good to to not acknowledge her situation and her desires and her needs. So... When I discredited her thoughts and her feelings, what I was, I was really discrediting her whole character. And that was a wrong thing for me to do. So again, a piece of humble pie allowed me to back off and say, okay, I now validate you and who you are. I don't necessarily agree, but I validate you who you are, and I respect that. And that's where we were for that whole balance of the Christmas. Instead, what could I have done? I could have gone ahead and kept driving, driven the, driven the stake in the ground, that this was I wasn't going to go past this point. And what do you think the rest of the week would have been like? Would the devil have been successful? Would he have taken peace out of the car? Yeah, he Did he take peace out of our home at that point? Yeah, he did. Was there a barrier? A reluctance to communicate on my part? Yeah, there was. And yes, I had discredited her her thoughts, her feelings, and her character. And yeah, my eyes were, you know, that's one thing I've always had, an intense set of eyes. That's why I played tennis. I couldn't find nine other guys near as intense as I was. But when I get into an argument, my eyes will cut right through to the the situation. And, um, you know, that's just not a very good place to be. So the red horse, this invalidation is very quick to show its head in our in, in my situation. And it's very easy to do, particularly dads with teenagers, because this is a time where we're not really understanding all that's going into their on in their lives. And I, I was always very quick to invalidate versus getting a better understanding of what's going on in their life. And that's the difference, you see. That's our challenge as men is we have to gain understanding, not just invalidate because we don't want to understand. And that was my that was my challenge. So anyway, that's our cell phone story. And all I can say is that the Holy Spirit blessed us, blessed our car, got me to turn around, which is something I had never done in the 30 years of driving up there. And the Holy Spirit uh, did what he does. He, he reinstilled peace in that car and in our in our family through the balance of that holiday. All right, so invalidation is one that uh, is another of the, is the second of the four horsemen. And that red horse, he has power with a large sword and certainly his power to take peace from the earth. Okay, the third horse is uh, the black horse. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. This rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, three quarts of barley for a day's wages. Do not damage the oil and the wine. Negative Interpretation is the what the black horse represents. Negative what is negative interpretation? It's it's really the mind reading that goes on in 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 and in thinking you understand what somebody's saying and uh and you read into it, you draw your conclusion before you really heard heard what's been said. Uh on on page uh I think it's page 28 we have a, a situation where a husband and wife are talking about their Christmas trip. Christmas must just be the fun time. But uh, the wife wants to check into plane tickets to visit the parents this Christmas, and the dad says, uh, man says, I was wondering if we can really afford it this year. And then she initially just responds like, you don't like my parents. She says, uh, well, my parents are very important to me, even if you don't like them. I'm going whether you go in or go or not. And, and the husband says, I'd, I'd like to go. Really, I would. I just don't see how we can afford it with the Joey's orthodontist bill this, this year. We've taken a pretty good hit financially. And uh, she says, you you just can't be honest to admit you don't want to go. You you admit it. You don't like my parents. And so there's nothing to admit. I enjoy visiting your parents. I'm thinking about money here, not your parents. That's a convenient excuse. And she storms out of the room. You know, that's, we look at money as a cut and dry issue, right? It's black and white. We can do it. We can't do it, which is the way a guy communicates. Well, the way a woman communicates is a little bit different, and she takes it a little bit differently, you see? So they're on a little bit different page here, aren't they? And, of course, she wants to read into the fact that uh, he doesn't really like, his, like her parents, which is further saying from the truth I don't know what the history was there, but that wasn't what he was conveying, was it? But you see how she read his mind and and tried to read something into the conversation that wasn't necessarily there, and he wasn't sensitive to really understand that. Is there, or maybe he was. Maybe he did all he could at that point in time. But you see how, on the later down there on the the bottom of page 29, it says you know the same exchange, and. only the wife responds back there on uh, page 30 a little bit differently, pausing to think a little bit. She says, I guess I read something into your comments that wasn't there. I'm sorry, I just missed my folks. You know, now, if there was something he could have done at the beginning to realize that she there was some homesickness there and she missed her folks, then maybe they could have bridged this gap a little bit easier the first time around. But you see that sensitization of what that negative interpretation meant, you know. See the way he responds. Once, once she said she was sorry, she didn't mean to read something into it. He said, "I know, honey. Let me see what we can do. Maybe there is a way we can get to go." So you, you see, the the wife stopped the negative interpretation because she valued the relationship. And he, of course, valued the relationship by showing a sensitivity that, you know, hey, we, we'll do whatever we can. Let's just make sure we're talking ahead of time so we understand our finances. We can't live beyond our means. So we, you know, we have to understand our priorities across the year. But if, you know, maybe there's somewhere else that we can tighten up to justify and be able to make the trip. You see. But that negative interpretation. Is something that, that, again, takes a takes a, a communication effort spiraling downward very quickly. It's a feminine relationship because at some point, if somebody's going to read your mind what you say, you see the reason it talks about a day's wages for a, a day's work, it doesn't matter what kind of effort you put into that relationship. They're reading your mind and they're going to take it negatively anyway. And that's what we have to be aware of in the negative interpretation. Somehow or another, we have to break through that to make a connection to, dis, to, to disassociate the negative interpretation with what's being communicated. But, you know, that's one of the tougher ones to break through because uh, sometimes folks don't even realize what they're doing. It. If, uh, well, remember last week I said we're going to spend the first two weeks looking inside and the next four weeks equipping. And, yeah, there will be some equipping going on, but really what we're doing right here is, is trying to identify who are the primary horsemen that show up in our house. That's going to be our assignment this week and as we're sensitive to who those what those horsemen are then we can start to to break it down and yeah the next several weeks we'll be looking at how these are each addressed through different communication efforts yeah so absolutely we'll be addressing what they are i'm not just pointing out you know uh, problems i'm trying to help us understand the holistic nature of the problems because you know just the idea that we could have four categories is, is pretty phenomenal to me. But there are four, if we can just get a handle on four issues, we can help keep virtually all our conversations from spiraling downward into negative territory. And that's that's our goal. So that's what we're doing here is trying to identify these, these horsemen. And, yeah, there's there's these horses. Each of these horses will show up, but you will find one or two that are, tend to dominate your own personal character. Maybe there's others in your home, but uh, there's there's a couple that will dominate your personal character. All right, so this is uh, this is the negative interpretation side. It says no improvement regardless of effort. Assumes negative motivation in virtually all your action or all your communication. So that's what we have to be sensitive to in this famine in our relationship. And finally, the fourth horse, Revelation 6, uh, 8, says, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades and was following close behind him death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given the power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. This is what's dubbed as the uh, withdrawal and avoidance. Uh, And, man, it can get ugly. It can get ugly. You know, in, in my home growing up, the loudest voice won. I mean, it was, it was, you had to hold your own in an argument. If you didn't hold your own in the argument, you weren't, you, weren't, you, weren't holding, you weren't standing at the end of the day. And so our, 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 you know, our battle was always just go toe-to-toe, argue as best you can, as loud as you can, and, and win. Well, my bride grew up in quite the opposite. She, she saw some of those arguments going on, and she decided that she wanted to do everything to stay away from those kind of conflicts. And so what do you think we had whenever I tried to have an argument? Exactly. It's a it was the uh, old silent treatment to uh, if you will. But yeah, she would she would retreat and I would pursue. And and what does a person do that wants to argue and somebody runs away? What well, do you do? You're pursuing, you continue to pursue. And that's not good. Because eventually somebody's going to say, Enough, I'm out of here. And that's what we have to be very cognizant of is to realize that if we have to respect, understand that that we have to bridge this gap. We don't get to just just continue to pursue and push that envelope so we can go win an argument at the sake of a relationship. And this is happening in, in homes across the across the country. Why why would the marriages fail at almost half uh, half your marriages fail across the US? Because Someone's not bridging that gap the way we need to. And the challenge is to understand that when someone pulls away through the silent treatment, the answer isn't to pursue further in anger and more aggressively in anger. The answer is to back off and allow a different environment to carry on this conversation. All right. But this withdrawal and avoidance can indeed get ugly very quickly because... uh, uh, Pursuers call attention to the need to make the decision about something. Withdrawers avoid these discussions or pull away uh, uh, during them. And so what we end up doing is, is trying to make a deci- decision or force a decision on someone that isn't ready to go there yet. And and so we have to respect the fact that they have the right to, to withdraw and call a timeout. But let's say what we want to do is say, okay, timeout doesn't mean we never go here. Time out means let's pick a time where we can discuss this reasonably. And that's what we have to do. So after, you know, a number of years of silent treatment, I finally learned how I needed to work to bridge that gap. And that was to carry on a civil conversation. Uh, I didn't have to raise my voice uh, to carry on a civil conversation. But you see, when folks grow up in quite different backgrounds, they don't always discuss their backgrounds when they get in an argument to understand why that exists. But eventually, we did. We began to understand that her background was quite different than mine, and just because I grew up that way doesn't make it right that the loudest gets to win the argument, or the most aggressive gets to win the argument, or the most aggressive always has the right point to make. I had to find the way to to respect her opinion. And make sure we got everything on the table to have a, a you know constructive discussion versus a negative experience. So that's that's my and that's our point here this morning is to really let you know about these four horsemen. They are the red horse, the white horse, the conqueror with the bow is the escalation. That's when uh, everything percolates into anger. You had the red horse, which was the invalidation. That's invalidating somebody's thoughts, feelings, their character. Through negative, uh, through uh, invalidation. The black horse with a pair of scales was the uh, uh, negative interpretation. Everything they did, you, you already have it in your head that it was a negative intention behind it, negative motivation. And then finally, this pale horse was withdrawal and avoidance. So those four uh, give you an idea of the m- major patterns that take uh, discussion southward. What I want to share with you on the, is a word on each of those negative patterns. First of all, the general, this general communication tip is James 1.26. If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. On the escalation side, to keep things from, from percolating into anger, I love Proverbs fifteen one: A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How true is that? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Stay away from those harsh words and you'll stay away from the escalation of the argument. Matthew 5.22 says, But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anyone who is angry with his brother is subject to judgment. And that's really, in my cell phone story, I was angry with my daughter, wasn't I? And I was essentially judging her in in the wrong context. And so when I did that, I opened the door to myself in judgment, didn't I? You know. Remember, even Jesus didn't come to judge, did he? We say he came he came with a sword, not to judge the earth but to bring peace. And we always tie that, that, yeah, he was a judge. Well, no, he really didn't. What did he always bring? What is the sword? The sword is the word of God. It's the truth. So he always conveyed and lived out and exemplified the truth. He never judged it. He said, the judgment day will come in reference to this truth that I'm sharing with you, but I'm not here to judge. Nor are we here to judge anyone in our family or in our in our circles. That isn't our place to judge. It's our place to live and exemplify and reflect the word of God, the love of God. That's our job. But it isn't our job to judge. Now, as a dad, do you need to judge sometimes? Yes, you do. Are there, there are situations with your kids you've got to, you have discipline, you have things that you have to make criteria on. That's. I'm not saying... No uh, discipline. I'm just saying. Remember, in your communication, if things are going south, think hard about who's doing what judging, and how that is affecting the effectiveness of your communication. And that's where we have to be very cognizant to think about this negative pattern of uh, of, of invalidation. If we're judging somebody and invalidating their place in the world. I want to look inside a little bit and uh, may have to turn that car around Luke uh, 6 41 42 says why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no, no attention to that plank in your own eye so when you're reading something negative into something somebody is saying and you're figuring they're trying to figure their angle on the deal Uh, You might look inside your own eye and pull that plank out and open your eyes to what's really being communicated. Instead, again, of of passing judgment and and, uh, reading into what somebody is saying, be sure that there's not a plank in your own eye skewing the way you're looking at a situation. But with good open eyes, take those blinders off and really see the communication from from a, a realistic perspective. Alright? That has to do with the uh, negative interpretation. And finally, this is uh, Ephesians 4, 27 says, Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. This is, uh, I mentioned my daughter is, is a musical theater nut and, and just you know, very emotional and and it wasn't very. Uh, there were times where you know, she would withdraw and avoid a, a, a conversation as well. And so we'd hear these stomps going up the stairs and doors slam, and you know that's uh, that's what the conversation. That's how the conversations would end. When a door slams, it physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Who needs to open that door up? Remember, as the father goes, the family goes. And the whole purpose of this study is for us to take responsibility for the power of a father. Who needs to go open that door up? We have to go up there. You know and that's. That uh, happened more times. uh, uh, Our challenge was I would not let the sun go down. I would not let the night pass. I didn't go back up and open that door and say, Honey, I know you're angry. I know that I crossed that line possibly. But we need to address this situation and not just walk away from it. So the, the key was to not allow the door to stay closed. And it can't be closed, you know, like I said, whether it's a physical door or an emotional door, we need to go in and open that door up and have a dialogue before the sun goes down. Now, is it possible that you'll agree to disagree? Yes, it is possible. If you wanna if you want to agree to disagree, then you make sure you pick it up. You know, the, the next day, I would never encourage a couple to continue trying to d- discuss things into the middle of the night. That's a, if you're at some point you want to agree to disagree, but we're not going to leave it here. We're going to come back and visit it. But at the end of the night, I want you holding hands and praying together about the situation, so that you can get it resolved, so that this withdrawal and avoidance doesn't open up that chasm and uh, and get ugly as as the as the pale horse can. All right? So our, our, my, my challenge that I convicted myself of was to always go upstairs open that door and make sure that we're talking before the end of the night. And uh, so that's something that we need to take responsibility for as men, to step up. Uh, if there's a I'm sorry in there, that's fine. If there's not an I'm sorry, but a, a clarification possibly with your child or with your wife, then, then do that. Do whatever's necessary to make sure that door doesn't stay closed because the sun cannot go down while we're still angry because what's the next line says? Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. You see, when there's anger, a little bit of distrust, a little bit of whatever in that relationship, all of a sudden the devil starts to get a foothold on there and that relationship will be in tension. And that's what we don't, we don't give the devil that right in our home. Get Satan out of your home by opening that door and saying we're not going to give the devil a foothold here. Okay? So when anger does uh, stir up like that and and, uh, you're the pursuer or maybe your wife is the pursuer and you're backing off, Need to find a way to say, okay, I'm I'm backing off. I'm really calling a time out, and we're going to address this. Uh, you know, pick your time and place to uh, to discuss it, and that's what our future sessions will get into a little bit on how to handle that. All right, any thoughts on any of these words? We got the uh, escalation and validation, negative interpretation, and finally the withdrawal and avoidance. Anything on those that you have? Uh, any thoughts? Any of that scripture reverberate with you? All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look ahead and, and uh, what our homework is this week. It's to complete the week two homework, pages 32 through 35. I want you to identify the horsemen in your house, and be sure to ask your wife. <laughs> Initiate an action step. Uh, if you haven't completed the family sign off on page 93, please do that. And uh, scripture memorizations, Proverbs eighteen thirteen, and then read. The next week's session is called the art of active listening. Uh, that's that's what we'll uh, that's what we'll cover next week. Um, our challenge across this week is, you know, the as we begin to identify some of these horses that are in our house, then we'll the next several weeks be looking on how to neutralize the impact these horses have in our communication. And, you know, as long as we can get a tight rein on these horses, they'll be okay. Oh, so it's when they're running free that we, uh, we, we can be taken out of our relationship and really distracted in our relationship. Okay. All right, small group breakout is to open in prayer, discuss last week's action step, uh, briefly discuss week one's homework, you know, any questions that you had on the homework, and finally uh, discuss... Uh, I'd like you to go ahead and discuss what horses you know are present just from our little discussion here this morning. What did I bring to light? Any horses that are running around in your house? And uh, any questions? Any? Is Eric right? Do we all have all four of these horses in our home? Busted? Yeah. The horses are alive and well. All right. Well, maybe we can find out what feeds them this week and uh, cut back on their feed a little bit. But... Uh, All right, well, let's open it, go to prayer, and uh, let's start your small groups. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be real here among men, to enjoy the fellowship that you've brought together. I ask you to open our hearts and minds through these discussions. uh, Just help us be real as our small groups begin to come together. Uh, Help us be real in our discussions, and uh, just let you be God and uh, bring to light what we need to know about horses in our house, and how we can go into this week with a a renewed sensitivity to each of those horses. So uh, guide us and be with us. We ask these things in the name of the risen Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, small group time.